0: listeners. Welcome to Grief Out Loud. Remember the last time you tried to talk about grief and then suddenly everyone left the room? Grief Out Loud is opening up this often avoided conversation because grief is hard enough without having to go through it alone. We bring you a mix of stories, tips for supporting children, teens, and yourself, and interviews with people working in the grief field. Platitude and cliche-free, we promise. Grief Out Loud is hosted by me, Jana DeChristofaro, and produced by the Dougie Center for Grieving Children and Families in Portland, Oregon. Most of the conversations we have on Grief Out Loud are with people who are grieving the death of someone they have a shared history with. Maybe they had birthday parties or family gatherings or any other kind of everyday interaction. Anything from sharing a meal to arguing over bedtimes and also who left the dishes in the sink. For the record listeners, it's always the other person who leaves the dishes in the sink. For today's guest, the person who died is not a stranger, but he is someone she never met. Joy's father, Kenneth, died in March of 1945, while he was flying a B-29 Super Fortress airplane over Tinian Island. He was a second lieutenant in the Army Air Corps in World War II. Joy wasn't born, though, until June of that same year, three months after her father's death. While she grew up knowing about her daddy Ken, as her mom called him, and hearing stories from her paternal grandmother, she also grew up with questions surrounding her father's death, especially about the spot where the plane he was flying crashed. A few months ago, in August of 2018, which was 72 years after her father's death, Joy decided to travel to Tinian Island. She joined a tour group focused on seeing all of the spots connected with World War II. Joy, thanks so much for joining me today on Grief Out Loud. Well, thank you for having me. What was it like growing up with this story about your father and how he died?
1: I knew that, uh, at least I felt, different from my friends um, because they all seemed to have two-parent families. I was in a two-parent family, but I knew that the, uh, the daddy that I was living with wasn't my real dad. And I also felt like it was a big secret. My mother was very free about telling me about my dad, my real daddy. But on the other hand, it was not a topic of conversation in front of anyone out of my immediate family. So there was this whole uh, envelope of secrecy around it.
0: You couldn't really, like, talk about him at school or... Oh, oh no
1: way. No way. Would never. In fact, I can remember a situation where my father was talking to a work friend of his. And the person said to my father, So, how old is Joy? And he said, How old I was. And the guy had kind of a puzzled look on his face. And he said, Well, how long have you been married to Lorna, um, my mother? We both knew what he was thinking, and my father had to do a quick little dance to kind of make up a story of why I was as old as I was, but my parents had not been married at the time when I was born. It was odd, and looking back on it, it probably wasn't a very healthy environment.
0: Yeah, you just sort of knew this is not something we talk about outside of the family. Exactly. And then within your family Your mom and your dad's mother, your grandmother, did share a few stories about your father. What did you learn about him? I
1: learned that he was uh, an only child. And speaking with my grandmother, you could tell that he was her all. In fact, if you talked to her, you would have thought my father died a year ago, not many, many years ago. I knew that he was 27 when he died, I knew that he had gone to the University of New Hampshire and graduated with a degree in engineering, I knew he was a musician, he played the French horn, Uh, my grandmother gave me some drawings that he had done from age six, some drawings in high school, and then some drawings from his engineering classes, and As far as I could see, he had been an engineer when he was six. He drew that way, (laughs) very methodical, very detailed.
0: So you knew a lot of facts about
1: him. Yeah, I, I was able to ask questions, find out things. Grandma showed me pictures. I saw pictures of my dad at all stages of his life, wedding pictures of my mother and my father.
0: So knowing what you knew about your dad and how he died, it sounds like the longing to go to Tinian Island, the place where his plane crashed, started when you were really young. What was it like to imagine what that place was like or what it might be like to go there? I was
1: always curious to find out more about this secret. And when in school you study World War II, we never got beyond Europe except for learning about uh, dropping bombs on Japan. So I was curious because nothing I knew about my father fit into the stories I was hearing about World War II. So that was part of it. And the older I got, the more I wanted to be able
0: to go to the place, see what it was like. Did you have an imagining in your mind of what it would look like or what it would be like?
1: Not really, except for I had uh, a picture of what I thought it looked like where my father died. Uh, he was a flight engineer. Their plane, B uh, B-29, took off from Tinian. A B-29 has four engines. They lost power in two They asked permission to turn around and land again and uh, obviously were given the permission to turn around, but they did not have the altitude, so they crashed. Of the crew on the plane, only one man survived. He was the tail gunner. So I knew that it had crashed on an island, had no idea where Tinian was in the world, wanted to see that. I wanted to see as close to the place where he had died. I had no idea what it would look like. So I pictured the plane turning around and crashing into a cliff.
0: So jumping ahead to your actual trip in August of 2018, after so many years, what prompted you to go then?
1: Uh, It was just time, uh, there were pieces that just fell into place. I believe right after Christmas of 2017, I received a brochure from a tour company that specializes in small tours to places related to important World War II sites. And one of the tours terrible name, was called the A-bomb tour. And it was going to go to Guam, Saipan, Tinian, and Japan. It called to me. I am 73. It was time to do this. I have good health. And I had the financial resources to be able to, to do this. And I had the time. All those pieces plus the information about The tour all fell into place, and I
0: decided i better go. And then throughout the course of your tour, it it sounded like there were a number of other synchronicities and unbelievable coming together of events and people. Can you talk a little bit about those? Most of
1: the miraculous things uh, have more to do with Tinian than any of the other places that we went. But the tour group met up, in Honolulu. And we stayed, a lot of us stayed in the same hotel. And I went down to the bar to get a glass of wine. And there was a table there with four or five men. And I kept hearing the word Tinian. And I knew these people just had to be on the same tour. So I walked up and uh, asked them if they were with a tour group, and they said yes. And in fact, one person stepped forward, shook my hand, said, hi, my name is Andy. I'm so glad to meet you. I'm going to take you to the exact spot where your father died, because he had an extraordinary interest in the Pacific War sites. He had been to the place where my dad's uh, flight crashed. So that was something that was unbelievable.
0: Can you describe what it was like to be, because you took a small plane to mm-hmm. Tinian, what was that like to be on the plane and to be have Tinian come into view?
1: So we took off from Saipan, we got into the air, and the minute I could see Tinian I was just sobbing. We spent the entire day on the island of Tinian. We had a van. There were like eight of us that were in our tour group. The first one of the first places that we went were to the four places where the planes would take off from Tinian on their flights to Japan. 200 planes would take off at once. I can't imagine the noise, uh, what that must have looked like to the people on Saipan. There's an immense amount of history on this tiny little island just waiting for us to go see it.
0: And so you saw where the planes were taking off, the plane that your dad was flying, where, where he would have taken off from and landed. And then where did you go next?
1: Well, just before lunch, it must have been around 1130, we stopped at this fabulous beach. Um, The water on Tinian is, like many places, this uh, absolutely stunning aqua color. And it was a sandy beach, and Andy, our guide, said to the rest of the people, on the tour now. You entertain yourself for a little while. I'm gonna walk down the beach here with Joy and show her where her father's plane crashed. So we walked and walked and walked down the beach, finally stopped, and Andy said, So your father's crash plane crashed like a hundred yards into the jungle, right here. And I was because I thought from the stories that I had heard and the pieces of the puzzle that I did not know, that I filled in, I thought they had crashed into a cliff. But here it was, the beach. So I stood there, and Andy said, take some pictures. He handed me a couple of beautiful big shells said, here, take these home with you, as the memento. He said, uh, you stand here for as long as you want, and when you're ready to come back, walk down the beach and get to the van. I did. I took some more pictures. It was a huge emotional moment. I turned around. I took some pictures of the water and the beach right there, too. And finally felt like I had
0: gotten from the moment what I needed to get. So you had some time alone at this spot on the the beach, and you mentioned it being so emotional. What do you remember? Like, what emotions were coming up? What thoughts were you having while you were standing there?
1: I wished that my mother and my grandma had still been alive to be there with me. They were there in... Their souls were with me. I felt embraced by them. I felt supported by them, and I wished that during their lifetimes they had had the opportunity to be able to be there. It was interesting. I felt their presence much more than my father's, but then having
0: never known him as a human.
1: I guess that's not surprising.
0: Interesting that you go to the place where your father dies and are able to have this emotional, spiritual connection with both your mom and your grandmother. Yeah. So after taking some time and taking some photos, you start to make your way back.
1: I started walking back to the van, and I saw Andy walking toward me. And I thought, well, that's kind of odd. He said he was going to be walking back and would see me on the van. And as we met each other, he said, hold out your hand. Here is a piece of your father's plane. I went back into the jungle and looked around to see what I could find that was something of a size that you could take back with you. So he gave me a piece of aluminum pipe that's about four inches long and maybe an inch and a half in diameter and said, you can take this with you as another memento. What was it like when he handed that piece of pipe to you? It was, I don't even know how to describe it. Um, I was shocked beyond measure because who would have ever expected him to hand me a piece of my dad's plane? What a, a gift that he had very unexpectedly gone back in there and dug around in the jungle to be able to hand this to me. It made
0: the plane crash, I think, very real. Something that had only just been a story that you had had. Right. And you ended up having that pipe, quote-unquote, verified, right, as being from your dad's plane?
1: I never questioned that it wasn't from his plane, but this was another surprise. We had, uh, also as part of the tour group, three men who currently fly to air shows around um, the U.S. in a B-29. Her name is Fifi. A person can pay to go on a ride on this B-29. Well, these three pilots were really excited to see this piece of a a B-29, and none of them recognized what it was. But they immediately sent a picture to their mechanic, and the mechanic immediately sent back and told them that this was a piece of the air intake system of the engine because he recognized what it was. So that was another synchronistic thing that happened was being on this tour with these three men who intimately know B-29s, and even though they didn't recognize what the piece was, they were able to ask someone in. So by the time... We had finished lunch. I knew what that piece was.
0: <laughs> Amazing that the, the photo texts work from the beach at Tinian Island. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so since that time, I mean, we're recording here in December of 2018. So it's been just a few months since you took this trip. How has it changed things for you? How has it changed your relationship with your father, with your grief? I think. As far
1: as the grief is concerned, it exploded it. I mean, I have lived my entire life up to that point knowing I had this daddy that I didn't know. There were many consequences of that acting in my life, but... Being in that place made the grief so much bigger and much more real. So I feel like I'm probably grieving more for him than ever, ever before. Um, I do feel and did feel at the moment that I was right there at the crash site a feeling of, a hole that had been in my heart, but obviously, it's not all filled <laughs> um because I still feel the loss, and like i said the the grief changed into something much bigger and more dramatic i'm I know that that will change over time too, so Maybe we should get together next year and we'll (laughs) talk about this again.
0: (laughs) How are the ways that the grief is showing up? You mentioned it sort of like brought it so much more to the forefront than it had been before. Well, I could
1: tell you about my dad and about my history uh, last year before I went on this trip and not get emotional but the tears are like right there, right on the edge. When I'm talking about it or when I'm writing about it, it's much
0: more alive. Yeah, it's interesting. We started the the conversation talking about what you knew about your dad when you were young, and it was all facts that you knew. And it sounds like now those facts of your dad have been infused with your own emotion, emotion that you didn't have access to up until that trip right yeah i'm so curious joy where do you keep the pipe (laughs) That,
1: that is a really good question i thought about that all the way home and i love putting um books together scrapbooks together So I immediately put an enormous scrapbook together of photographs, things that I picked up in all of the places that we visited. The pipe, however, does not fit into a book. (laughs) So right this moment, the pipe is sitting in a canvas bag with, The album, and I have yet to really decide what I'm going to do with it. Years ago, I was given by my father's bomb group the medals that he would have been given. And I had a very generous and kind woman who puts uh, that does framing offered to put together a shadow box with those medals and some pictures that are on a wall in my house. And I kind of picture something going on that wall in a shadow box that would include the piece of the plane. And uh, I now have a picture of the plane crash just the next day was not something that I had seen before Andy, our tour guide, sent it to me. So I have a few more things that I'm thinking about putting together uh, in a shadow box. But at this point in time, I'm embarrassed to say it's living in a canvas bag in a closet until it gets a new home.
0: Waiting for its next resting space. Exactly. Well, Joy, I so appreciate you coming on the show today and just telling this really magical story of all these parts coming together of your story unfolding over seven decades thank you and listeners out there, maybe we will check back in with Joy next year just to see how the grief is going 12 months later. And in the meantime, if you want to check out any of our other Grief Out Loud episodes, you can find us on our website, d-o-u-g-y or any other place that you listen to your podcasts. If you have an idea for a story or someone you know who would be a great guest for Grief Out Loud, send us an email at help at dougie dot Thanks so much for listening. Hope you'll join us again next time.